Well, again, good morning. It's great to be with you. So let's read together from Ecclesiastes 3, uh, verses 1 through 11. Oh, hear the word of God. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heavens. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to bear, tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. This is the word of the Lord. Be to God. Wow. So uh, the, the choir sang Turn, Turn, Turn earlier in the ser- service this morning. Uh, it was made popular uh, in 1965 by the birds. Now, that was like 57 years ago. I was seven. <laughs> and, you know, but I know that song. <laughs> um, and with the exception of Turn, 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 and I pray for peace. I hope it's not too late. It actually mirrors the, the eight, first eight verses of Ecclesiastes 3. Um, it was written by Pete Seeger in 1959. So thanks, Bing, and the choir uh, for being willing to pivot late to add that song. Okay? So I asked uh, the question in my sermon title, what season is Good Shepherd in? And my guess is that different people will have different responses. So today is a day that we're celebrating 20 new covenant partners at Good Shepherd Presbyterian Church. That's amazing, right? Yay! Woo! You know, we have much to celebrate. Uh, when, I, when I spoke at the meeting on May 7th to these covenant partners, I mentioned that a covenant is a big deal. So we think of the Old Testament and the, and the New Testament, but really, it's their old covenant and the new covenant. So think about a marriage covenant or another covenant into which one might enter. So today we have a large group committing to become a part of our congregation. And all of us need to be willing to learn from their perspective as well. They have experience in other places, right? And perhaps we might benefit from their experience. They have amazing gifts and talents and abilities. We might want to hear from them and even make some changes. Whoo, that's scary. (laughs) At their initiative. 
But we also have a wonderful and healthy congregation. And we want to keep on preserving that and keep it going and keep it growing, right? So with every new covenant partner, our congregation changes in different ways. Now, at the same time, you know, we take the counsel of Ecclesiastes. There's a time to be born and a time to die. So, you know, we have mourned the, the deaths of faithful people in this congregation. And, and take a moment right now, just a moment of silence, to think about the ones that you miss. Okay, let's do that together. May they all be in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, for to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We take the counsel of 2 Corinthians 1, that we might be blessed in our comfort, so that in turn, we might become a blessing to others who need it. We remember our loved ones with tears, with laughter, and with silence. We remember that Jesus Christ is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And because he is risen from the dead, our friends are before the Lord. But we also have celebrated new births, right? <laughs> Which always bring with them new hope. I mean, oh my gosh, isn't there something about a baby, right? Not, not hope in the child, but hope in the God who gives us life and breath. Hope in Jesus Christ that might bring new life to that child. Hope in the power of the Holy Spirit who might create not just a new birth of faith in that child, but hope that God, through Jesus Christ, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, might create that child in the image of Jesus Christ. So I'm aware that each of us, you know, might, may answer the question differently. Like, what season is Good Shepherd in? So, you know, I take the counsel of those first verses. There's a time to be born and a time to die, a, a time to plant, a time to uproot, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. So, you know, I'm guessing that many of you might right now have an enemy. And you might want to vanquish that enemy. You might want to kill that enemy. Um, you know, here's an interesting thing. Um, when, when we left the PCUSA to, and came over to ECO, um, you know, a, a, a lot of us thought, well, that's going to fix us. <laughs> you know, it's just going to fix us, right? Well, it, it, it didn't. You know, I had a conversation with Dana Allen. And, and I said, you know, Dana, I'm going to run something by you. This was in 2019. And, and I, I asked him, uh, I'm just going to tell you something and you tell me if I'm wrong. And, uh, and, and he said, I, I said, well, uh, Dana, I think there are 10% of churches in ECO that are thriving. There are 10% of churches in ECO that could go either way. And I, I would put 
Good Shepherd in that category. And there are 80% of churches that are declining in eco. And he said, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Okay? So, you know, I, I'm, I'm guessing sometimes what happens is we, we thought we left the PCUSA and came to ECO and that that would, you know, that would change us. But, but maybe it didn't. Maybe we, need to, maybe we need to be thinking about how we can change as well and, and, and the things that we need to add, the things that we need to develop, the things that we need to change, the things that we need to prune, okay? So, you know, I'm guessing that, that many of us sometimes have an enemy right now, and, and we, we may want to vanquish or kill the enemy. In, in some cases, the, the enemy has become eco itself. In some cases, the enemy has, in a couple of churches, has become the pastor. In some cases, the enemy has become the session. Because when we vanquish an enemy and the enemy is vanquished, we tend to replace the enemy with another enemy. Okay? So there's a challenge for us to stay focused on the goal of the upward call of Jesus Christ. So others of us are in a healing space. Maybe we're healing from wounds, maybe that we caused, or maybe that others caused. I, I had, I've had 10 conversations in the last two days with a young man who was in my congregation in Lee Summit. Um, he's, he's a high-functioning autistic and he has a job. And he, he learned on Thursday that his mom might have done some things that landed her in a mental hospital. I don't know for sure if she attempted uh, to take her life. He can't talk to his mom right now. He's been alternately raging and angry and thoughtful. I prayed with him on the phone at least three times. I've tried to share that it was depression that drove her into the hole. It wasn't him. And I can imagine that some of you are in, in a gathering phase of life. You're just starting out, right? And you're building family and friendship connections, and you're making friends with the, the parents your kids are hanging out with, right? And others of you are in a scattering phase of life. You're getting older, and, and you know uh, you're going to be moving out of your home at some point. You're shedding things. <laughs> My parents had one way of doing that, and then Rhonda's parents had another way of doing that. So my parents called us all to the house and said, everything you want, you put your name on. <laughs> everything you don't want will be given or sold. <laughs> when my mom died in 2009, they, had, uh, they were there in the house for 60 years. But we went through and we put our name on things. Uh, Rhonda's parents had a different approach. In 2018, they, they were announced that they were moving from their their home in Idaho Falls of 54 years to an apartment in Missoula near their youngest grandkids, uh, Kala and Lacey. Uh, Kala is now a freshman at UCLA, and she and I have connected three times. She's awesome. Lacey's in the eighth grade. She's awesome, too. Uh, some of us are gathering, right? Some of us are scattering. We could probably go through each of the lines, and, you know, we might disagree but I counseled my friend the other day, we rejoice with those who rejoice, and we weep with those who weep. That's Romans chapter 12, verse 15. One of the mysteries of marriage and congregational life is this form of mutual submission 
in reverence to Jesus Christ. Now, at the same time, right? 20 new covenant partners. This is a good day for us as a congregation. So chapter 1, verse 1, opens with these words. Uh, The words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. So the author of Ecclesiastes is Solomon the king. We believe he also wrote the book of Proverbs and the Song of Songs or the Song of Solomon, depending on how you name it, right? So depending on on your perspective, uh, you may go with the King James Version for chapter 1, verse 2. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity, right? The New International Version uh, for the same verse reads, Meaningless. Meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Oh, man. (laughs) That's deep. (laughs) The word hevel in Hebrew literally means vapor, insubstantial, vain, futile, meaningless. Have you ever felt that way? We believe that Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes toward the end of his reign in Jerusalem. Solomon ruled in Jerusalem from around 970 B.C. to around 930 B.C. Some commentators think that the book of Ecclesiastes was written around 935 B.C. But here's the thing. Solomon was wise. (laughs) But he was also foolish, right? He was broken like every other person. So, you know, just like a footnote here about the first four kings of Israel. Saul was flawed. If you look at 1 Samuel 15, when Samuel announced that God was going to take the kingdom from Saul. And then David was flawed. Uh, 2 Samuel 11 recounts his adultery with Bathsheba. and, And King David positioned Uriah the Hittite, Bathsheba's husband, so that he was killed in battle. Basically, he killed him. In a note here, right, Uh, Bathsheba, David was attracted to Bathsheba. But when the king of Israel calls you, did Bathsheba have a choice? Do we sometimes blame women for the problems of powerful men? Now we come to Solomon, right? No, Solomon tried everything under the sun. Uh, One commentator says he tried scientific discovery, wisdom, Philosophy, mirth, alcohol, architecture, property, luxury, materialism, and moral codes. That's a lot. And all were meaningless. Here's his advice from Deuteronomy 17, verses 14 through 17. When you enter the land the Lord your God is giving you, and have taken possession of it, and settled in it, and you say, Let us set a king over us like all the nations around us. Be sure to appoint over you a king the Lord your God chooses you. He must be from among your fellow Israelites. Do not place a foreigner over you, one who is not an Israelite. The king, moreover, must not acquire great number of horses for himself Or make the people return to Egypt to get more of them. For the Lord has told you, you are not to go back that way again. 
He must not take many wives, or his heart will be led astray. He must not accumulate large amounts of silver and gold. Okay, can we be honest? Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines. Now, I can't even imagine that. <laughs> and from many of them, he began to follow other gods, including Molech. So, I mean, he acquired everything in the world. But it wasn't satisfactory. It did not fill Solomon's soul. Augustine, St. Augustine had a, a famous quote, Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee, O Lord. So some of you are restless today. You may have tried everything under the sun, the whole list, whatever the list is, but those are substitutes and poor substitutes for the living God revealed through Jesus Christ. So 1 Samuel 8 recounts what a king will do, and God says it is not a rejection of Samuel, but a rejection of God. And that's why at the end of Solomon's life, he wrote these words in Ecclesiastes 12, 13 and 14. Now, all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God. Keep his commandments. For this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Wow. So, you know, I don't want to go without mentioning Solomon's son, Rehoboam, who was also flawed, right? 1 Kings 12, 1 through 7 uh, tells of his accepting the advice of the younger men rather than the older men, and ultimately the kingdom was divided into two, the, the two southern tribes and the ten northern tribes, and all of the attacks that followed came from there. So all of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. But all of us have an opportunity to turn in faith to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And so today we're celebrating 20 people who are reaffirming their faith in Jesus Christ. And I'm going to leave it to you to decide where you fit in Ecclesiastes 3 today. But I know this. God has placed eternity in our hearts. I love these words from Ecclesiastes 3.11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. God has made everything beautiful in its time. Now think about that for a moment, right? No matter what season you find yourself in today, God has a plan. I want you to encourage you to read Psalm 139 this week. Okay? Read the whole psalm every day, Monday through Sunday. Okay? Just trust me on this, right? Read it every day. Ponder the words. Think about them. Even when you are in darkness, God knows. God has a plan. When you're in the light, God knows. God has a plan. God cares for you. God loves you. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, as a perfect and sinless sacrifice for you. Jesus lived a perfect life, fully God, fully human. Jesus died. Jesus rose from the dead. 
That is our hope. So we think about these words from Psalm 139, verse 16. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God set eternity in our hearts. At a bare minimum, that means that we are all created in the image of God. Oh, I read a book this week, uh, Letters by a Modern Mystic, uh, by Frank C. Laubach. He was a missionary in the Philippines in the 1930s, and the foreword is by Dallas Willard. Now, Laubach wanted to think of God every minute of every day. Sometimes he succeeded, and sometimes he failed. The book is only 119 pages, and at the end, there's a section called The Game with Minutes about the pursuit. There's a quote there by a Dr. Chalmers. I don't know who Dr. Chalmers was. <laughs> okay. Um, but when Dr. Chalmers answers the phone, he whispers, a child of God will now speak to me. Wow. We can do that when anybody speaks to us. Do you see the image of God in the people around you? The people you love, the people with whom you're frustrated, the people with whom you're angry, the people that you work with, the people in your neighborhood, the people in your family. I mean, that's hard (laughs) because sometimes we get really frustrated with the members of our family, right? And then these words, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. God is sovereign. I'm not. (laughs) I've shared with you before that my title is transitional pastor. It's not Lord of the universe. (laughs) Because I would do a terrible job at that title, and so would you. God has a plan. God has a purpose. Even in suffering, even in pain, when cancer strikes, chemotherapy, radiation, when loved ones die, I remember... Uh, Three friends in high school that committed suicide, Tommy, Bobby, Alan. There was was no way that the death in, in that... Their death shaped me. I've, I've become more aware of mental illness... I've ended up leading the funerals of others who have committed suicide. I trust that God has a a plan, that that God understands, that God has a a, a plan and a purpose for everything under heaven, that God is sovereign. I believe that God has them in his care, and that may be controversial for you, and I'd be happy to talk to you about that in person. By the way, just for fun, go to the first eight verses of Ecclesiastes 12. There is an amazing description of aging there that you do not want to miss. Okay? All right. Now, so Solomon ends Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and 14 with these words. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God. And keep his commandments. 
for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. At the end of the book, after Solomon has tried everything under the sun, he comes back to these words. Fear God. Keep his commandments. This is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. But we know that we have an advocate, our Lord Jesus Christ. He has taken our sins upon us. He loves us. He died for us. He rose from the dead for us. Let's pray together. Uh, Lord, we, we thank you, Lord, for the amazing opportunity to celebrate 20 new covenant partners today. And we thank you, God, that you know the seasons in which each of us find ourselves. And we pray, Lord, that you would meet us there, for you are the good shepherd. Help us to live into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ, as it's created within each of us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.